Thank you. You have no idea how excited I am to be here. You may be seated. I'm more excited than you are, that's for sure. I've been waiting my whole life to tell you all how much I love you. And uh, I'm here with my wife, Hillary. And see, I'm, all, I'm already a wreck. I'm already a wreck. And uh, my two kids, I have three kids, but two of them are old enough to be in the room tonight. And my mom and dad raised me in the church. That's the reason why I'm here today. And I wanna just honor where honor is due this morning before we get into the word of God. Again, um, I wanna say hello to everyone watching online too and all of uh, our friends and family back in Long Beach that are tuning in tonight. I love you all, you're amazing. Um, but we're so grateful to be a part of this church family. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud to be a part of your family. You have no idea. I get to serve with my greatest heroes. And I wouldn't be in the ministry today if it weren't for my mom and dad, of course, raising me in the church. And if it weren't for Pastor Tommy Barnett and Luke Barnett, when I was 18 years old, I was sitting over in that, sec in that section over there at a pastor's school, which we now call Dream Conference. And at 18 years old, I sensed the call of God on my life. I went home and I said, Dad, I think I know what I wanna do for the rest of my life. I wanna be a pastor. And he says, no, you don't. And I said, yes, I do. And he says, no, you don't. Uh, you, don't, you won't make any money. I said, I don't care. I just wanna change the world. Now I kinda care, but it's, uh, the reason why I'm in ministry today is because Pastor Tommy Barnett and Luke Barnett inspired me so much to leave a legacy. And it was in this auditorium that that happened. Uh, pastor Joe and Shannon were my youth pastors. And so we have a long history. <laughs> I love you guys very much. Brad and, and, and Brooke Baker, their son, Brock was my roommate, and so we, we have a lot going on. And, and then Angel Barnett, I have to give Angel credit for any emotional toughness that I have in my life. And this is, this is an, an endearing story, and then I promise we'll move along. But uh, Aubrey, we were just a little baby girl in a stroller, and we were playing putt-putt golf, and I was just a little boy. Um, you know, I don't know how much older I am than you, maybe 10 years, and, and uh, I... For some reason, I had this bright idea to stick the end of the putter into your mouth, and you were teething. And so you, I was like, she likes it. And Angel said, boy, I'm going to stick that where the sun don't shine and see how you like it. It rocked me to my core. But I knew she loved me because she showed up to pick me up from school the next day with a Yoo-Hoo and a candy bar. And that's why I know everything's all good. But how many of you know we need Angel Barnett, a, a, a gangster, a gangster cowgirl <laughs> who moves dirt? <laughs> and all of that to say, I'm just, I love this family. I love this church. And, and we've been talking about over the past several weeks, we've been in a series on Wednesday nights, if you've been here, called I Identify. I identify. We're basically understanding the, your identity in Christ. What does it look like to be a Christian? And so one of the best ways you can tell if someone is really a Christian is by the fruit in their life. The, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And tonight I wanna focus on faithfulness. I've titled this sermon, I Am Faithful. If there's anything that I've been over the last years of my life, it's just been, I can just say, at least I've been faithful. 
Faithfulness as a follower of Jesus is like being on a sports team who hustles down both ends of the court on offense and defense. It's being a full court follower of Christ. It's fully committed, all in, all the time. You've just made up your mind that you have a resolve in your spirit to trust the Lord in his leading in all things and in all seasons. That's faithfulness. So I wanna play a quick name association game. I'll say the name of someone who's fairly well known. You may know their names. And then I'd like you to help me, just full participation in church really makes things more fun. So feel free to get loud, shout it out if you know it. I'm gonna say a name. And then I want you to shout back what you think they're known for. We'll start with an easy one. If I say Michael Jordan, you would say basketball. Yes, man, you're way sharper than Long Beach. I don't, I... If I say Beyonce, you would say music. We've got some mixed answers here. If I say Shohei Otani, you would say baseball. How about Ernest Hemingway? You would say writer, novelist. If I say Dr. Phil, you would say talk show TV. How about Kim Kardashian? It's kind of a mystery to me too, to be honest with you. It's a mystery what she's known for. But here's the point. Everybody is known for something. When people hear your name and when people hear my name, I'm known for something, boy, I hope it's something good. When people hear your name, you're known for something. I read about a, name, a man named Victor Dorman who made headlines in the New York Times in 1995. And this is what was written about him. Are you ready? It read this. Victor Dorman, who altered the packaging of cheese, dies at 80. He was the man who invented packaging cheese by putting the little paper in between the cheese slices, which I think is genius. But they failed to recognize that Victor had also been a naval officer. He was actually quite an incredible philanthropist. He lived an impressive life, but after 80 years, the thing that he was known for was putting paper between the cheese slices. We're all known for something. Even, church, even churches are known for something. This church is known for something. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. I hope that, I, here's what I know about our church. People know that when they can get into this house, they can experience the presence of God and it will change everything. We're the kind of people that represent Christ in, in all ways, we're Christ-like, and we love people in grace and truth. In Colossians chapter one, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church in the city of Colossae. And it's interesting that even though Paul planted this church, he had never been there in person. And so he's writing a letter and he's hearing reports from afar. Everything he knew about this church in the book of Colossians was based on what others had told him. It was based on rumor and word of mouth. And here's what Paul says in Colossians chapter one, verse two. He says, we are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. Paul had never been there. Everything he knew about this church is based on a rumor. But what they were known for was being 
a faithful church. Faithfulness isn't really talked about a whole lot these days because we live in a microwave culture. I'm a microwave man. <laughs> I'd rather it be easy and quick. Just heat it up, baby. Let's go. I don't have time to wait. But if we don't see results right away, we try something else. If it's difficult or uncomfortable, we walk away. If it doesn't feel good, well, it must not be right, we say. What is faithfulness, though? Faithfulness is dependability regardless of the circumstance. Dependability regardless of the circumstance. There are times in life we feel like we're going in circles. We're doing the right thing, but not making much progress. I thought I'd be further along by now, is what I say over and over again to myself. It's, and it's so easy to get discouraged and lose the passion when you're in a lull and the routine. But there's one test that we all have to pass and it's being faithful. When nothing new is happening, when we're going to work, raising kids, coming home, doing the same thing over and over again, but remaining faithful. It's so easy to be our best when we're good getting the good breaks, uh, things are falling into place. It doesn't really take much to remain faithful when all is good. But what about when you're working hard and not getting the credit you think you deserve? Or being your best but your marriage isn't improving? Or you're serving the church faithfully but there's craziness going on in your kids? You're, paying, you're praying but not say, seeing God move as quickly as you like. God, are you hearing me? Would you just move on my time frame? Be still and know that he is God. You're honoring God but maybe not seeing the increase. Will you trust him when it feels like you're going in circles? Will you stay passionate when it's mundane? You know, when you're faithful in the routine, something is happening in me and in you that we cannot see. God is developing a character inside of us, a perseverance. Our spiritual muscles are getting stronger and God is maturing our faith like pouring concrete in our veins. And just saying, if you would just stay steadfast, I'm working even when you don't feel like it. When, we're, when our heads are on the pillow at night, he's still at work. And build, he's building some stamina to weather some storms in the future that you don't even know are coming. Isn't that great news? There's storms coming. Aren't you happy about that? But he's building inside of you a stamina to withstand the storm when it comes. You're being prepared for where God is taking you right now. And so the routineness of life is it's not exciting, but it's necessary. Having a good attitude when it's just another ordinary day, nothing exciting is happening. Doing your best in the mundane. I love to surf. I brought a surfboard with me, and here it comes right now. This is one of my great, thank you so much. I uh, ride these little foam twigs, and on every surfboard that I own, I have a verse, Galatians 6, 9, that I write on it. Of course, Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in well-doing, for at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. And the reason why I'm still in ministry today is because of this surfboard right here. Sometimes when you feel like quitting and you just go for a surf and you're reminded, don't grow weary in well-doing, for at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you don't get up, give up. And so you just keep paddling. There's something funny about surfing, if you don't know much about it, is it's a paddle battle. And so there are times when I'm out there, there's a lull. And it could be 30 minutes 
where there's absolutely nothing happening, no waves coming, you're just sitting there, but you can't just sit because there's a current and it takes you north or south and it will pull you any way it pleases. And so in order to stay in position for when the wave is coming, because the wave is gonna come, it will come. In order to stay in position, you have to keep paddling. And it's not fun, but you just keep paddling because if you're out of position, well, you won't catch the wave. (laughs) You'll miss it. You'll miss all the blessings of God. And so I'm here tonight to tell you, keep paddling. Be ready in season and out of season. It doesn't take much for spiritual drift. All you have to do is nothing at all. And then you find yourself out of position. God, I, where, what's going on? Where are the waves? So I'm encouraging you tonight, church, to keep paddling, to keep being faithful in the ordinary because there's a wave coming in due season. And if you stay in position ready in season and out of season, God blesses and he exalts those who are faithful. And if you ever get discouraged on your job, or if you ever get discouraged in your family, if you ever get discouraged in the call of God on your life, you gotta remember there's a hero in the Bible I'm about to tell you about. His name is Matthias. You may have never heard about him because he's only mentioned one time. Luke wrote in the book of Acts about this man and this one passage in the book of Acts, Matthias's name comes up and it's in reference to the prophecy in the book of Psalms that one of the apostles would betray Jesus and have to be replaced. We're speaking of Judas, the betrayer. And this is what was happening. The disciples had been in the upper room praying for about seven days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Jesus died on the cross, crucified, buried in a tomb, borrowed. It's empty the third day he rose again It's the resurrection and the Holy Spirit now has come upon these people in this upper room who are praying, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. So 11 of the original disciples are there along with about 120 other prayer warriors. And around the seventh day of this prayer meeting, Peter, the Peter, stands up and he says, you know, we've been praying and we need to fill the empty slot There's one disciple missing out of the 12. And according to the scripture, Peter says, we should put someone in place of Judas who hung himself and betrayed the Lord. And that's exactly what is taking place in the scripture. Let me read it to you. Acts chapter one, verse 21 through 23. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John, until the day he was taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. And so they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. And I just want you to notice the qualifications that it took to be named a disciple. This was not just a volunteer role in the church. We're talking about apostleship. We're talking about a pastoral role. And here's the qualification. Are you ready? I'll read it again. The scripture says, so now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time, who were traveling with the Lord Jesus from the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us. That was the qualification. The criteria was that these two men were there 
and faithful. And it was a man by the name of Justice, and it was a man by the name of Matthias. Acts chapter one, verse 24, the, the story continues. Then they all prayed, oh Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots. They rolled the dice. And Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. It's so funny. These Christian men of God. Luck be a lady tonight. You know, Lord, help us. Lucky number seven. Help us. Lord, we're praying, but we're going to roll the dice. And so I don't know how they did it. Maybe it was toothpicks. There was a short stick and a long stick. And whoever's name the long stick landed on, they're like, welcome to the exclusive 12 of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. They rolled the dice and it fell on Matthias and he became the 12th apostle. And this is the only place that Matthias's name is mentioned in scripture. What was the qualification? Why did they choose him? What was Matthias known for? Well, Notice it wasn't about his preaching. We don't know if he ever preached a sermon. It wasn't about who could sing the best. It didn't have anything to do with leadership qualities. It was simply the fact that they were looking for someone who had been there the entire time, faithful through the ins and outs of Jesus's ministry. And these guys were serving behind the scenes with no recognition, nobody praising them. Oh, you're so no microphone, no stage, no spotlight. We don't know if they ever performed a miracle or preached a sermon or sang a song. They might have built a campfire. <laughs> I don't know what caused them to be recognized, but it, it, they weren't recognized in man's eyes to be anything great or wonderful. Their qualification, their talent, their skill was faithfulness. And it's like God is trying to tell us, I'm choosing my last apostle and I'm not choosing on the basis of knowledge or even scripture quoting or even your ability to get up in front of people. I'm choosing on the basis of faithfulness. I'm choosing on the basis of whether or not you've been there consistently showing up in season and out of season. Those who that don't quit, who never give up, who keep on paddling. And I'm saying to you that God will not overlook your faithfulness. In fact, the Bible says that God is looking for faithful people. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse nine says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Fully committed, that's another word for faithfulness. Sometimes you're going through a valley or you're going through a dry spell. I would imagine there's some folks in this place who do not feel God right now, but stay faithful through the ins and outs because God is with you. Keep paddling. You just keep praising God even when you don't feel like it. Sometimes you lift your hands and praise and worship, not even because you feel like it, because the Bible says lift up your hands. <laughs> Sing and make a joyful noise. Sing a new song to the Lord. Clap your hands, all you people. And you just worship God because he's good and because he's faithful. And so I'm telling you, faithfulness will not go unrewarded. There's a lot of greenhouse Christians. You know what a greenhouse Christian is? Well, you know what a greenhouse is. It's this protected environment where plants have an opportunity to grow. The lighting's just right. The weather's not too harsh. 
The heat isn't too hot. I mean, everything's just perfect. There's a lot of greenhouse Christians, though, when the heat comes on, it's like, oh, Lord, life is falling. And I get it. There's some serious stuff. We've experienced some serious things. But let me tell you, God is faithful. God is looking for people who will cling to him through the ins and the outs. And again, he's using those times to teach you that even though you don't feel God, you can know that he's with you because he promised you he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And there's a, there can be a settled confidence and a peace in your soul that says, Lord, if this cup shall pass, I've, I've prayed that prayer. It's a prayer Jesus prayed. Lord, if this cup shall pass, but not my will, yours be done. I know you're, you're with me and I'm not afraid of the future. I'm not afraid of tomorrow. I'm not afraid of any bad report, God, because Lord, you are with me and you are good and you are faithful. There, there's a... There's a good song I grew up, I grew up in church my whole life, so I know all the songs, I think, most of them. Old song, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone, because I know he holds the future, and life is worth the living just because, they'll do so much better here in a moment, but. (laughs) Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And I may be preaching to somebody who feels like quitting tonight, and can I encourage you just to keep paddling? You realize the highest calling in the New Testament church is apostleship. And all Matthias did to get it was, I was there. I've been here. I love that. It encourages me that God will recognize the fact that I'm here, Lord. I'm willing, I'm available. There's a lot of available people in this room who have committed their life to the kingdom of God and said, come hell or high water, I'm gonna serve you, Lord, and there's no turning back. I just wanna share just a few highlighted men in the Bible that I think of when I think of faithfulness. David, of course, was a young man who was anointed to be the next king of Israel. Many of you know this story. The prophet comes into town, says, David, you're gonna be the next king of Israel, but not yet. (laughs) And so David goes back to the sheep fields and just does what he's supposed to do and tend his father's sheep. He has a king's anointing, of course. He knows what the future holds, but he's faithful in the mundane of the sheep. And then the day comes where his father says, I want you to take some lunch to your brothers on the front lines. And it's an ordinary day for David. And he says, yes, dad, whatever you say. And then he goes to the front lines and he had no idea that day that he would kill Goliath and slay him with a stone and cut his head off with a sword. (laughs) But he was just doing the little thing that turned into a big thing. Yes, I'll, I'll deliver the lunch and also kill a, a Goliath who was mocking my God. I, I think about what was Elisha doing in the Old Testament when the prophet Elijah called him to carry on the work of the Lord? What was Elisha doing? Moving dirt. I think someone in this church knows how to do that. Her name's Angel Barnett. Just moving dirt. Elisha was plowing the fields He was just working his tail off and never even saw it coming until one day Elijah comes 
and throws his cloak over Elisha's shoulder. And Elisha had been chosen to take the leadership baton, the mantle, and the anointing to the next generation. Colossians chapter three, verse 23 through 24 says this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are, are serving. So faithfulness will not go unrewarded. And believe it or not, I'm gonna close this message so quickly. We're gonna worship the Lord here in a moment. But I just wanna share two last final thoughts with you because faithfulness really will, it will not go unrewarded. The Bible teaches us that, <clears throat> excuse me, at the end of this life, we will be judged or we will be rewarded. And let me show you where this says this in scripture. There are two judgments that are talked about in the book of Revelation. The first one is the great white throne judgment. That's the first judgment. And most scholars believe that the great white throne judgment is only for non-believers. I wanna speak to you if you're here tonight and you, maybe you, don't, you wouldn't say Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. When you confess Jesus Christ is Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart that, Christ, that God raised Christ from the dead, you are saved and redeemed and you're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ through faith in him. And when you receive Christ, your name is written in a book, it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And when your name is in his book, scripture says that your name can never be blotted out, your name can never be erased, and when your name is in his book, you are his child, you're a child of God, you've been grafted into the family of God. And at the great white throne judgment, if God looks through that book and your name is not there, Scripture says your next move, your next place of residence is not a place that you will like nor will you enjoy for all of eternity. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? I'm gonna give you an opportunity tonight if you don't know Christ to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior in just a moment. But that's the first judgment and here's the second judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. The Apostle Paul was talking to the believers in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. And it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And this is the faithfulness test. The judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment for your sins, it's a reward ceremony. How many of you know when we get to heaven and your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, there is going to be a reward ceremony that I can't wait to be a part of. Where, where, where God says, well done, good and faithful servant. The Apostle Paul says, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse seven through eight, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. <laughs> the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. God knows when he's ready to bless you. God knows when your family can handle it. God knows when you're mature enough to handle it. God knows when he can trust you with the blessing. God knows when you're ready to have a door opened. God knows when it won't go to your head. God knows when you won't lose your way. He knows when you won't lose your mind. God knows when you won't have a nervous breakdown. 
God knows when you'll be able to fight off the enemy, resist him, and he will flee. God knows when you can withstand the weight and the pressure that is about to come this next wave that you're about to ride. He's so good and he's so faithful, though. If we will just remain faithful to him, he's worthy to be praised. Would you stand for closing prayer all across this place, and then we're gonna worship the Lord here tonight. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like to pray a prayer with those of you that are here tonight that heard the sound of my voice and you heard the word of God and maybe the Holy Spirit has been speaking to your heart and you don't yet know, you don't know where you stand with Jesus. I'd like to give you an opportunity to personally know him and to start a relationship with him tonight to make him your Lord and your Savior and your God. And here's how the prayer goes, but if you would, if you're here tonight and you would say, I'm not a, I'm, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'm a Christian or I don't know if I'm saved, would you just lift your hand so I know who I'm praying with right now? God bless you, thank you so much. No one's looking, God bless you, thank you. Thank you so much, God bless you. Amen, thank you so much. God bless you, thank you. God bless you, God bless you. Thank you. This is the prayer between you and the Lord and actually as an entire church, we're gonna support and encourage those who lifted the hand all over this place tonight. Here we go, loud and strong. Ready? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me, cleanse me, wash me white as snow. Tonight, I make you my Lord, my Savior, my God. Change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. And one final prayer as we continue to pray tonight. I'm gonna, we're gonna open up these, these stanchions here. We're gonna continue to pray and worship the Lord tonight. And uh, this is called a house of prayer. And if you, if you feel like you wanna come forward to worship the Lord tonight, just to tell him how good he's been to your life. Would you come and let's, let's begin to give him all the praise and adoration that he deserves. And I'm just gonna pray as we get ready to sing this last song and then we'll sing it. But one more prayer. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful night and for all that's taking place. I thank you for all these faithful people. Tonight, we just commit our ways to you. We give our lives to you once again, we surrender. And we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness that we don't deserve. You're just so good though. How can we ever repay you, Lord? We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name again. Amen. Let's worship God tonight. Here we go.